0: Heavenly Father, Almighty God, I pray today for coaches everywhere, coaches, that they are blessed with the wisdom of Christ, strength of character, integrity, patience, and a pure heart. That they are equipped for the important role that they have as a mentor and authority figure in young athletes' lives. In the sacred name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, I pray. Amen. Welcome to JC and Me, I'm Pastor Joseph Clark. You may recall that in a recent episode, I interviewed Nia Abdallah, US Taekwondo silver medalist at the 2004 Olympic Games in Athens, Greece. Nia is in seminary, answering her call to ministry now, and she was a terrific guest with a great message of keeping Christ at the forefront, especially when you're devoted to a pursuit of personal excellence. Today I have the privilege of interviewing Nia's Olympic Taekwondo coach, Sherman Nelson. Sherman has 32 years of competitive Taekwondo experience serving as a team leader and a team coach for the U.S. Olympic teams. He's also an ordained minister at Carolina Missionary Baptist Church. During our interview today, look for his words on not dimming our lights when in secular settings and remaining Christ-centered in our ambition and personal pursuits, and personal development. On the line with me today is Sherman Nelson.
1: Hello, Sherman, my brother. Thank you so much for making me today.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure, it's my pleasure.
1: Now, Sherman, tell me a little bit about your ministry. I understand that you're an associate pastor and that you're you're leading other functions within your ministry. So would you please share with us what you've been up to?
2: Sure. Um, I am an associate pastor at Carolina Missionary Baptist Church in Fort Washington, Maryland. Anthony Moore is our senior pastor, and I lead our digital worship worship team. So I'm the digital worship pastor, um, which means I help to... Um, design and format our digital worship experience. Of course, our pastor is the the senior pastor. He teaches, um, but I work with him and with our minister of praise and worship to make sure that we are getting the gospel out in a relevant and refreshing way so that people via their phones, tablets, or computers are still able to know that Jesus is Lord.
1: And I imagine as a digital pastor, I mean, that must be a very creative function as well. What are some of the challenges that you face in doing that?
2: Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, One of the biggest challenges is perhaps the depreciation of attention spans. So with with the proliferation of social media and we're just literally inundated with images and images and clips and videos, People's attention span is short, so we're constantly looking for ways to get uh, people engaged long enough to hear um, some life-changing word from the Word of God, but at the same time making it interesting enough that they would share it um, and talk about it with their friends. I liken it to if you go out and have a really great burger, um, you don't have any qualms with telling everybody you run across. And if you want a burger, I need you to go get this burger from Place X. We want to present the gospel in such a way that people are, who see our broadcast or who log on and tune in to us or catch one of Pastor's podcasts are like, yo, there is a word that is so rich, you've just got to go get you a piece of that word. And that's, that's kind of what drives um, how we try to frame our digital experience.
1: And do you find, I mean, obviously – the main emphasis, as you said, is on the actual message, as opposed to the technology distracting from that message. So, with technologies, new technologies ever emerging, uh, it must be a challenge at times to be able to stay on top of the latest and greatest and whatever is out there in terms of apps or in terms of online experience.
2: Yeah, it's 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 a full time job, and we have um, the young lady who manages our social media and who manages um, our digital marketing and all that, she is an absolute wizard um, at knowing how to optimize our, our um, platform usage, um, how to cross broadcast. She, she understands all of that. So what it really takes is having an excellent team, and we have a phenomenal team um, at our church, and it takes all of us doing our respective jobs in our individual lanes that gets, that keeps our church moving, that keeps our um, congregation moving, and most importantly, it keeps the Word of God. We keep putting the Word of God before God's people.
1: Amen. God bless you for that. Now, switching lanes for a moment over into your uh, career as a Taekwondo ch- uh, coach, and in particular with the Olympic team, Mia Abdella, who is a former guest on this show, had spoken so highly of how you were able to continue putting Christ in front of her while she was training, while she was preparing for uh, her uh, Olympic medal. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. And, and uh, for, one, for one thing, how long have you been coaching?
2: Um, I started coaching in 1994. So I guess we're 26 years, 25 years. I haven't really coached in 2020, but 25 years of coaching. I've been doing Taekwondo for 34 years. Um, uh, and I love it. Um, coaching is an extension, I think, of, I believe, of the, the teaching and preaching gift that God has given me. So it's, it's a natural transition to the same way I teach a Sunday school or teach a youth ministry or preach or teach a message. It's the same way you have to articulate um, when you're coaching. Um, I also taught in the public school system. So, Teaching has always been a part of who I was, um, and I've had a tremendous career in Taekwondo. It has it has been phenomenal. Nia is one of my daughters in Taekwondo, and I love her completely, um, and am so proud of her. But we made sure that Christ was central in our training, um, and everything we did. You know, did we pray before every single practice? Maybe not, but we did. We pray often. Did we pray? When we were together, when we were separated, we prayed on trips, we prayed out in public, we prayed at the ring, uh, we prayed in the practice area, Um, and I believe that it's important for us to recognize that God is not raising up a generation of people to sit in church buildings. He's raising us up to go into the marketplaces and go into the sport arenas and go into the competitive areas to all the highways and byways that are light might draw attention, not to us, but to the God that's in us.
1: Sherman, how many years have you been in ministry?
2: Um, I started preaching in 1998, and I got ordained three years ago, two years ago. Um, So I've been preaching for 22 years. I was the first youth pastor at our church, um, and I was in that position for nine years and then transitioned to serve the senior pastor in a different capacity. And that's evolved over time. Um, And after ordination, you know, we toyed around with the digital platform, and this current um, pandemic has forced us to completely go to it. And so I've evolved again in my service um, to Christ, to the church, and to our pastor. So it
1: sounds to me like you've almost been preaching as long as you've been coaching. Is that correct?
2: Yes. Yes.
1: All right. That and, is wonderful. And,
2: and I was i was just going to say that there's a lot of overlap in the calling. God called me to, uh, I w- and I was still competing at that time too. So I was coaching, competing, and preaching. Um, and God transitioned me to leadership positions on the U.S. national team staff after that in the early 2000s. And it was just, again, God wove a a simple thread through my whole life, and that is lead other people. And while you're leading them, don't leave me out.
1: And how many Olympic athletes would you have been responsible for coaching through the years or preparing for Olympic uh, events or Olympic class events?
2: Um, Olympic class events, um probably one, two, three, um youth Olympic gold medal, four, five, um probably five or six athletes who were competing at the uh world championship and or Olympic level, including Leah. And-
1: and, and you know, for example, I have a bit of an idea when talking to Nia about, you know, I love that phrase, how you kept things Christ-centered, you know, in the training. And so could, would you be able to, and this might be challenging, give me an example of how you can keep things Christ-centered in such an intense sport with so many demands and such competitive spirit. How do you keep that Christ-centered?
2: Um, well, and, and I pushed Mia I pushed really hard, um, but I pushed all of my efforts hard because I believe God gives us a season to do a thing. And when, we, when we're in that season, we have to do it. You know, he says do everything as unto the Lord. So he is an awesome God. He deserves an awesome effort. So I remember one day we were training in D.C. in a rec center, and she was doing a drill she did not particularly like. Um, but she, it was a drill that I knew was beneficial. And so we're, we're going up and down the floor. We've done maybe 12, 13 rotations of this. And I know that physically she's spent. And so um, as, we, as we're kicking and I see the kick's lag, I'm just saying to her, you can do all things. And she has to respond to me through Christ who gives me strength. You can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Come on, faster. Kick faster. Kick harder. Give me one more round. Give me one more round. And I always lead with, you can do all things, Mia. And she would respond through Christ who gives me strength. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's push, let's push. And that that isn't trying to over-spiritualize the technique, but it is definitely putting Christ at the head of the motivation. We have to remember that he has given us the capacity to do everything he's called us to do. And I believe he called her to be an Olympic champion, to be a representative for him. Um, And it was my job to keep her mindful of that.
1: And did you ever have to coach athletes who didn't respond to that, perhaps athletes who were atheists and nonbelievers?
2: Oh, I've coached many athletes who are nonbelievers, and God is, God is, is, is kind enough to give me the, the discernment to know that I don't have to give them you can do all things through Christ, but they get, come on, hey, how bad do you want it? I really want it. No, do you really, really want it? No, yet, do you really, really want it? Then you got to really, really work. Every really is a level of work. So you said you wanted three levels of work. You have three levels of want. Then you need three levels of work. So I take the same principles without necessarily attaching a scripture to it um, to motivate and push them. Because they've got to they've be able to tie the desire to the output. And if your output lines up with your desire. Then we have a greater opportunity to see the results that we want.
1: You know, Sherman, I was interviewing a, uh, a sister in Christ the other, day, uh, the other day for one of my uh, recent episodes. Her name was Corinne De Groot. and Corinne was a, uh, a young police officer up here in Canada, and she actually went on to become one of the uh, American Gladiators. She was one of the cast of American Gladiators, the syndicated television program. Uh, she went on to be a world champion a Women's International Boxing Association title holder, and I think she was uh, top ranked. And she was talking about, when I asked her, how did you come to Jesus Christ? She said, it was through my coach. And she was uh, molested and abused as a young girl. She had a very unfortunate adolescent period that she went through and actually uh, attempted suicide. And she said, I came to Christ through my soccer coach, who always stood beside me, who never judged me and was at my bedside when I was in the hospital after my suicide attempt. And she said, it took me a long time to trust him. However, I came to Jesus Christ through him. So I guess the point that I'm trying to make in this is that how important a coach is to an athlete and to a a young aspiring athlete, what an important figure that coach is and how much of an influence they can be in their life. So you must be, very, very pleased and proud with Nia, for example, who's now pursuing ministry. Do you have any other athletes that you trained that you might have some inspirational stories connected to how they continued on their walk with God uh, after they moved on from your training or your coaching?
2: Um, oh, wow. The, the question is, is, how do I sift through our story succinctly enough to tell it in the little bit of time we have? Um, um uh, i have worked I've worked with um a young man and we met at a camp and we got to train together we formed a rapport um and then an event came, and he needed a coach and I was like uh oh, i I'm, I'm happy to coach him there's no problem. We coach him at the event he wins the gold medal at the event um and then they move away, and I'm not able to necessarily coach him you know anymore but I'm always seeing him at events and checking in on him. And then I'm watching him have success and do well at events. Um, And then he comes up to me one day and says, hey, coach, uh, I just wanted to tell you that I'm going to get baptized. And I was like, you're going to get what? And he was like, baptized. And I thank you for always, you know, you would pray with me and pray over me. And I didn't even know that I needed or wanted prayer. I just did it because, I had seen you doing it with other athletes, um, but it was, it was those unintentional or unplanned, you know, you can, you can plant a seed and you, you don't see a shoot pop up and then you walk away thinking, well, I guess that seed didn't work. Um, but sometimes it is just God extending the time, but he always honors the seed that was planted. And so it's, it's those moments that make me say, Lord, I'm so grateful. That you, one, let me do this sport that I had some success success as, as an athlete, but I had the greatest moments when I was in the coaching chair. So you gave me this sport that I loved. I've traveled the world doing it. Two, you let me run, you let my life intersect with other people's lives. And you were able to be glorified. You were able to be identified in my life. And if if I can have those moments, then my life has been worth living.
1: Well, it sounds like you certainly have glorified him through your activities in, in all respects, you know, in, in, in all of your callings. You had referenced a moment ago that you also were an educator in the public education system. So is there a place there, too, because you're in a country where there's a division of church and state when it comes to the education system. Is there still an opportunity for someone like yourself who is an educator to be Christ-centered in the teaching, or is that something that you have to kind of keep to yourself when you're in the classroom?
2: I say unequivocally not. There is no reason for you to dim your light just because you're in a secular setting. Now, what, what you don't do is you may not proselytize while you're in a classroom. So you're not handing out tracts. You're not making people recite scriptures. But God has, I don't believe that that's how God called us to evangelize. You know, first he said, they'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another. It's how we interact first within the body of Christ. But how do we treat people? You know, how do we resolve conflicts? How do we um, manage and mitigate risks and threats? You know, I was teaching in the inner city, in the public school, and there were, like most public schools in the inner city, there were always conflicts. And the question is always, how do you resolve those? How do you handle those? Hey, man, do you, come on, I know you want to fight this little boy, but come walk with me. Man, do you know that you are an image bearer? Who's the president of the United States? All right. Do you know that I know somebody who's even greater than the president? And the person that I know who's even greater than the president made you and wants you to be his son, man. He wants to adopt you so that you become the first child. You have more rights than the president's children, more rights than princes and princesses. But you, you got you to not get caught up in, in, in fighting people in hallways and arguing. they rude to your teachers. And you can do all of that in a way where you're not ex- explicitly telling a person They need to confess to Jesus Christ. But you can plant that seed of, man, you can be so much more. You were made to be more. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, I did get in trouble. I was a science teacher and a PE teacher. I did get in trouble one year because I taught creationism alongside evolution. And I said, evolution is a theory. Creationism is a theory. I'm going to teach both theories, and I allow my students to discern what makes more sense to them. And they were like, "Uh, Mr. Nelson, we need you to just teach the science book. So I did get in trouble one year, but I think I might have overreached a little bit that year. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on the other end of this line, you're talking
1: to somebody who's who's grinning from ear to ear over everything you just said. So, yeah, thank you. I I don't think anybody (laughs) could have said it any more perfect especially when you're saying you do not have to give your lights in a secular setting you're quite right so if you're going to get slapped on the wrist for anything that's a good reason to get your wrist slapped
2: <laughs> oh absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm, i proudly i proudly take rebuke um, for the cause of christ absolutely
1: yeah and, uh, and, and as would i absolutely so tell me a little bit about your walk at what age were you saved? And, and uh, was that through family? Was that through friends, through a coach? How did you come to Christ?
2: So I was um, raised, raised in, a, in a Lutheran church um, all of my life. I remember being in a Christian setting. Um, and I didn't have – I don't really have a memory where I wasn't in that space. And um, so I got baptized early and you know, I learned the learned the catechism and learned the book for the Bible, and learned all that head knowledge about God. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. I'm sorry. And then I got to college and like most people who get to college, I went uh sideways. <laughs> and yeah, I began yeah, to Sounds familiar. Yeah, I began <laughs> to yeah, I began to, to to dabble. Um but then one day a friend of mine invited us to go to church with him on an Easter Sunday. And it was maybe 15 or 20 of us got together out of the dorm and we got up and we went to church with him. And this was in 1991 or 92. And I went to visit Carolina Missionary Baptist Church and I went to visit Pastor Anthony Moore. And I was like, huh, okay, I think I'm gonna come back to this church. And I joined church and got rededicated to Christ in 1992, um, and this was as an adult. And then began to try to serve the Lord diligently, and and for real. Um, and then I was, um, I knew I felt that God was calling me to ministry, but I tried to do everything else but that because I was like, well, I don't want to be a preacher because, that's you know that's that's not playing. I, I just want to kind of dabble. I don't know if I want to marry you, Lord. I just want to date you a little bit. So I <laughs> um played around with and you know, played around. I I sang in the choir. I we started a dance ministry and we did that. And then I taught in the school of um education, Christian education, and then I was a deacon. Um and then I was like, you know what, Lord, none of this is fulfilling to me because I'm not doing what you really called me to do. And My pastor was like, one day you'll get tired of running. And the minute you get tired of running, when you turn around, God's going to be standing right there. And 98, I said, you know what? I can't run anymore. And we got licensed to preach. Um, And once I got licensed to preach, he said, good, now I'm ready for you to take your gifts because at the time, and I still work for the D.C. Department of Parks and Recreation, um, and I love children, and children naturally are drawn. Man, we have the greatest time in the world. Um, and he said, "Good, because we need a youth pastor, because we need somebody to intentionally develop our children, and that somebody, sir, is you." Um, and there it was.
1: And you know what a great, but inspirational story. And I just love the way you tell it. You know that you're you're kind of dating. And you're kind of playing around, but yet you weren't fully committing yet. But that's our walk. Like, it's it's interesting whether I'm talking to somebody who I'm ministering to or interviewing somebody on the show or just, you know, bumping into someone. Everybody's got a unique walk. And it never ceased to amaze me how, uh, whether it's secular training Whether it's our education, whether it's career training, or whether it's some very unfortunate human event or circumstances that we had to suffer through, all of it, God always turns that around to make you an asset for the kingdom. Like these things, the wisdom that is gained, the training that you get, it's amazing how once you are called, you go, well, it's so obvious to me now why I went through all of this and what was learned through all of this, because now I can help people who had a similar challenge or now I can use these talents that I thought were just for corporate career or these talents that were just a hobby. And I'm able to now turn them around and use them in ministry. So it it never ceased to amaze me when people tell me their story of how they were called, how in hindsight they go, I, I can almost laugh at how obvious and clever the whole thing was in terms of his plan and his timing.
2: Right, and he he doesn't waste a second of your life. He doesn't waste one tear. He doesn't waste one, what we consider errors or mistakes, misjudgments. All of that works together. The Bible is true. All things work together for the good of them who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Um, and he makes it all work. And then you're right. When you look back, you're like, oh, I did not see that. Oh, because we don't have, we have hindsight, but he has Hindsight, foresight, all sight. So he, he saw it all from the beginning. And he is yeah. a, a wonderfully kind God. And that is just one more reason why it's a privilege to serve him.
1: It, it truly is a privilege to serve him. Sherman, in terms of moving forward, what, does, what do you have in terms of future plans or what does the future have in store for you as far as you're concerned with your ministry, with coaching, and thus far?
2: I, I transitioned out of coaching into, um, telling Taekwondo's story. So I'm the minister of information for USA Taekwondo now. Um, and I, I do a lot of um, media stuff and broadcasting and commentating and just telling the story, uh, because God moved me from working with one athlete at a time to speaking to a whole organization of fifteen, sixteen thousand 16,000 athletes, parents, coaches, um, And so I am am thrilled at the opportunity that he presents to me through Taekwondo. As it relates to ministry, I I believe that God is calling, it has intention for me to pastor. I don't know where that is and I don't know when it is, but I feel right now that this is the, uh, the water has broken and that this baby is about to be born. God is pruning and preparing me for what's next um and and especially in this digital in this digital manifestation, he's really driving me to be authentic in my study and my prayer life be uh, as 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 Paul told Timothy to be a husband of one wife who can rightfully govern his own household um and get things in order so that he can move me into what he's preparing me for, and so I'm absolutely willing to serve God in whatever capacity he wants me to serve him. I, I am thrilled to serve and assist my pastor in moving the vision that God has given him. Um, and if God elevates me to, to govern his people and to shepherd his people, I will accept that responsibility humbly and lean on him even more and lean on every one of you that, that, uh, that I know who has this experience um that will help me do right by the people who
1: got. well sherman i can tell you you're an amazing storyteller so you're an incredible asset for the team that they have you in that capacity so i i congratulate you on that and obviously your zeal and your passion for christ and that genuine sincere heart that you have for him really shines through in your words so christ be with you my brother i really thank you for taking the time to speak with us today And congratulations on your career training Olympic athletes as well. Praise be with you.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor Joseph. I appreciate the the time. I I, I love to tell this story because he's the star of the story. And I really like to cause people to see him in another light and say, you know what, if he did that for that crazy boy down there in Washington, D.C., he can do that and more for me. So thank you for the opportunity. You're most welcome. God bless you, my brother. God
1: bless you, too.
0: You have been listening to my interview with Sherman Nelson. Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 to 20. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name... I am there in the midst of them. John chapter 14, verse 13. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Thank you for listening to JC and Me. I'm Pastor Joseph Clark. And may the Lord bless you and keep you this week.